Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. And I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, joined by Buck Sanders and Jason Staples. You're listening to the Inside Carolina podcast sponsored by JohnnyTShirt.com. You know Johnny T-Shirt, best sponsor of podcasts in the area, especially Inside Carolina's. Open practice Monday night uh, provided fans that were there, the media that was there, and students that were there an opportunity to see maybe a vanilla version of Mac Brown practice. And from that, a lot of comments and analysis and all sorts of things came from there. Uh, But I'll start with Jason because, Jason, I'm not sure that there was one comment that got more attention than your comment on Carolina's offensive line. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not looking at it directly, but outside of the center position, you feel like Carolina's at least frontline guys are as good, if not better than Clemson's. You didn't get it wrong. Go ahead. Yes. Let me tell you, if that turns out to be accurate, what a great prediction it is, but you've got folks on the message boards wondering uh, what you were looking at. So I wanted to have you here to explain it and fill them in because I don't necessarily disagree with you, but having seen Carolina's offensive line in the past at times, I think a lot of people are scared to get their hopes up. (laughs) Well, what I didn't say, let's keep in mind, I did not say that the offensive line will be as productive as the Clemson offensive line because – I'm, I, I don't think that necessarily that's going to be the case. I do think that there's uh, some uh, that, that there's still some some question marks in the center of that offensive line, and that that can be a problem. Uh, you know, you, you need to you need to be good inside out there, especially to be able to run the football. But I look at this offensive line, uh, and I and, and I know Clemson's offensive line has been very productive. They're extremely well coached, and they're in the, they're in a great system down there where they've got one of the best offensive line coaches in the country who's been coaching down there for a long time in in Caldwell. Uh, so they're going to maximize what they get out of their talent. But go, let's go back the last few years. How many how many offensive linemen say in the last five years has Clemson had drafted? Any 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 guess? They've had some really good offensive lines. I don't recall any, but I could be wrong. You are correct. You are absolutely correct. And that may surprise some people, but they, you know, they've not been tossing out a bunch of super, super high talent necessarily, NFL type talent out there every week uh, and every year. They've got some, they've got some good players, but they, they've maximized what they've got. Now I look at some of these guys on the on the Carolina roster, and and Clemson does have, by the way, a couple guys that are going to be NFL guys on their current line. I mean, the the, the sophomore who's going to start at their at their left tackle spot is a future NFL guy, no doubt. Uh, you know, um, Jackson Carmen, uh, you know, he was the top offensive line uh, offensive lineman in the uh, uh, in the country, I think, coming out a couple of years ago. He he's he's going to be a really good prospect moving forward. But you know, just for the record, Clemson's last offensive lineman to be drafted was 2014 in the third round. So it's not having a having a great offensive line isn't always about just having really good players up front. 
you, you do have to have the system. You have to have some years in the system to gel, to get everything together. And you want to have as few weaknesses as possible up front. My concern is the center position. We'll talk about that in a second. But I look at this and I say, Charlie Heck, would you agree with me that Charlie Heck is likely to get drafted? Yes. I think Charlie Heck is an NFL draft pick. Probably before the before the say fifth round I, I think he's probably a, a good bit earlier than that and with a good season he's probably top three round type player and he's a senior at that spot so at left tackle yeah they may have their kid may be a little more talented overall when you think about it but heck is not uh not a whole lot behind that and he's a senior instead of sophomore with montalus the uh the 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 left guard he's as he's as good as anybody they've got on the inside he 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 is a future NFL offensive guard if he stays healthy. I mean, you're talking about. Uh, I, I don't know that he's he's gonna he's got the 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 future that uh, that, on, that that Cooper had a few years ago. But you're talking about that kind of th- this kid's gonna gonna start for at least two more years, probably three more years, and probably gonna be an NFL player. That left side is really really good. Then you look at the right guard position. You got a redshirt freshman there. Talent-wise, he matches up again with anybody they've got on the inside at Clemson. With uh, 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 and I'm not sure how to say his name actually. Azudu, right? Yes, I believe that's correct. Right, but Azudu, you look at him and you go, well, you know, I I totally think that he's got the chance. You look on the frame in terms of how he moves, in terms of how he's able to get his his pad level low, natural power. He's got the poss- got got the potential to be a future NFL player. And Jordan Tucker, redshirt sophomore, and you look at him and and watch him move around, watch him pass set, watch him dip his his uh, his uh, hips in in the in the run game and move around. And you and you tell me that you don't think that he has a pretty good shot of being a draft pick himself. So I mean, there's a ton of talent there. Now I think. Polino is a is is a concern in the middle. Uh, you know, he, I think he I, I think he knows his assignments. He can he can keep things together, but he he got overpowered a few times on the inside. Uh, you know, basically, I, 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 there was one rep in particular that I was paying close attention to the offensive line, and I watched Aaron Crawford just ragdoll him. Some of that's Aaron Crawford being pretty good. Some of that's just he's he's not Polino is not as strong as the guys on the other uh, uh, around him. Now, the freshman. He's he's got a chance. I mean, he's he's a strong kid and moves well. And, and again, he's got a chance to develop into something pretty good as well. It's just that you know he got in a few times and stepped wrong on one play, snapped the ball over the head in another. You know, it's one of those things that you're going to have to deal with with the young guy. So he's not ready to play yet. But I mean, that's got to be their 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 goal is by say mid season to have him hopefully be in in the, in the middle of that offensive line, and then you're you're really in pretty good shape in terms of physically across the, across the, the line. But it is not ridiculous. When you start looking down the list, you got an NFL left tackle who's a redshirt senior. You have a former four-star left guard who is a probable NFL player as long as he stays healthy. You've got another high three or uh, four-star type kid at, at, at right guard who's probably going to be in contention to be a draft pick. And then you've got a, 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 a left tackle or a right tackle that looks the part for a future left tackle. And you're going to tell me that that you know Clemson is running out you know far and away better players. Let's again, let's go back and look at who Clemson's recruited, and you'll you'll realize that eh, you know maybe it's not as 
not as simple. I mean, they've got the one guy who's a, a, a five-star, but but beyond that, they've just developed older guys. What's different with Clemson is they go sophomore, senior, 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 senior. <laughs> so they're going to be unlike, as a unit. Unlike better. Boston College always did. Yeah, they're going to be they're going to be as a unit better, especially since you know they've got a sophomore quarterback who's the best best player in the country on offense. They've got ETN at, at at running back. You know they've got the best wide receiver crew in the country. So yeah, they're going to be more productive, but talent wise, there's not really a gap in in terms of what what level of player you're actually dealing with. They're, they're just a little behind at Carolina. Give them a give them a year or so, and and I'll be really interested to see where this offensive line goes. Continuity thing is huge. That's what the Carolina program needs to see. Buck, and before I get to Buck, we'll be having a. a our IC ticket giveaway later in this podcast. So you don't want to miss it. So if Jason got you hyped for the potential for this offensive line, that giveaway can get you hyped for the South Carolina, Carolina game in Charlotte. We'll talk about that towards the end, but Buck, your thoughts on the offensive line. Uh, I mean, this is a position where you're going, you could potentially try it out or you're going to try it out a freshman quarterback. Um, most likely one with zero experience, and the other two options have very little. You could have a freshman center, which I don't know uh, that they do that first, but if what Jason says comes to fruition and they can produce and be effective, that changes the game as far as what to expect, at least on the offensive side of the ball, doesn't it? Well, yes. I mean, if if, uh, what Jason says pans out to be true, my expectations aren't quite as high as Jason's, um, although, the, as usual, the longer I listen to him, the more sense he made. <laughs> but uh, my personal way of looking at it is I really want to see this offensive line make it to the first game healthy and stay healthy. Um, it was just a couple of years ago uh, – Tommy, when you and I and Jason were got together on a, a similar podcast to this one uh, in the preseason, and I forget how many there were, maybe four offensive linemen or more that got hurt during camp. Um, and, you know, they were always scuffling, trying to, how are we going to replace this guy? How are we going to replace that guy? And, and it wasn't, you know, no names. It was starters. Uh, if, if I remember correctly, one of the, the the starting left tackle went down. He came back, eventually came back, but you know maybe before the start of uh, the first game, but he missed most of camp. Uh, there were just so many injuries uh, just a couple of years ago when we were talking about it that uh, and one of the guys is in contention. Now, Marcus McKeithen, uh, he was a freshman then, I think maybe a true freshman. Um, and so that's my thoughts. I, I honestly, you know, these, these kinds of uh, disputes and arguments are interesting and, you know, create controversy. But as long as this unit stays together, I think they've got a chance to be pretty good. If they can get to game one, Without anybody being hurt, they've been able to practice together all fall camp. There's they're settled in uh, at 
at least four of those positions. Now, center, as Jason mentions, is critical. But if, if they can, you know, put a Band-Aid on that and they can stay healthy, they've got a chance to be pretty good. Jason, one last follow-up to the offensive line talk before we take a, a break and move on. But from listening to you talk about it, it's defense is Jimmy's and Joe's. And we can talk about Bateman's influence on that. But offensive line, it sounds to me, where you're coming from is a lot more to do with coaching and consistency and chemistry and all that. Is that fair um, to sort of put your comments in that frame? Yeah, yes, with the, with, with the caveat that it still matters what kind of talent you have up there. But really on the offensive line, it's more about how good is your weakest link than anything else. So how so you want to you want to have it's two things. How good is your is your overall cohesion? Do you you know and your understanding, your ability to to have gelled as a group and and to work together as a group? And obviously, Mike Ingersoll could say a lot more about this than I could. But you know, he and I've talked for years about about this stuff where it's it's learning what the guy next to you, not only what he's supposed to do, and knowing you know, to make sure that you're getting your assignment taken care of and that what the person next to you is supposed to do as well, but also how that's going to be done because there's a little bit of art to that in terms of how you pass off a twist and all of this. You you may each step six inches to the right, but exactly how you reach this guy and make sure that there's not space for penetration between you versus how that guy does it is a little bit different. So you learn you have to learn to do that and that's where what Buck said about staying healthy and really being a unit is really important. It's that and, and doing that in the context of a, of a really good system. And then the next thing is how good is your, how, how good is your weakest link? So on the defensive line, if you have one Dexter Lawrence, <laughs> you got a defensive line guys, <laughs> your defensive line is actually pretty good. If you've got on the offensive line, four really, really good ones and one that can't block, you're in trouble. You know, and that gets back to, again, when I saw that one rep uh, that, that stood out to me where I watched Crawford ragdoll Polino, other guys were on their blocks, but it was a tackle for a loss because the center got pushed right back into the running back. And so, you know, you can be really, really good at four spots, but if your fifth spot's really bad, if you got an offensive tackle that can't pass block, well, you know what? Your other four guys may never miss a block, but that guy's always getting the quarterback killed. So it's it's just it the Jimmies and Joes matter, but it's more about having a consistent level across the five that have to work as one unit. It's almost like one player on the offensive line that you have to count that as that then are all gelling together. And that's the thing that remains to be seen. I think they're going to be a really good line. I think how, how good a performance they get from the center position is going to determine whether or not they are an outstanding line or whether they're a top, you know, half of the ACC type line. But I, I think that's really where, where if this, if, if the group stays healthy, I think that's really where the ceiling is. There'll be a top half line either way, but if they get good production from the center position, then you're talking about one of the best lines in the, in the conference. Yeah, you know, Jason, all of this is is so interesting. And one of the comments that was made by Jay Bateman was that 
for the offense to do well, all they have to do, they have to get 11 guys doing their job. For the offense to be productive, all 11 guys got to be doing the right thing. He said, defense, I get one or two guys to do a great job, and I'm going to win the rep. So um, I, I think that kind of dovetails into what you're saying there. And, and the other thing I thought of well, during this whole conversation, that it's pretty crazy that uh, two of the best offensive line coaches in the country are Robbie Caldwell and Sam Pittman, both of whom have been assistant uh, coaches at UNC. Uh, offensive line coaches, which is kind of nuts. And uh, yeah, we'll leave it at nuts. It, it could, it is, uh, they'd be pretty effective at Carolina over a lot of years had they been there and been able to stick around and all that. Let, let me uh, talk about Johnny T-shirt before we move on to that position that Buck's going to give me grief about. But Johnny T-shirt.com and certainly Johnny T-shirt on Franklin Street got to be your place to be to get Carolina gear. They're a great sponsor of this podcast. They do a great job with us. They do a great job um, coming out to our functions, whether it's the recruiting day function that Buck always throws and other things. They're there for us. They, they sponsor the show, and they're there for you. They're there for the Carolina fan and basically the Carolina fan only because they have all Carolina gear. Your Mac is back T-shirts, of course. If you haven't got one, you need to get one. But you can get anything Carolina-related either at Johnny T-Shirt on Franklin Street or JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Great online customer service, great in-person customer service, uh, great selection. Alumni owned and operated. They will do everything they can to satisfy whatever needs you need with Carolina gear and Carolina stuff. And 10% off if you're that Inside Carolina Premium subscriber. So you can't beat it. You cannot beat Johnny T-Shirt, JohnnyT-Shirt.com, sponsor of this podcast. Buck, let me bring you back in. And, of course, you're listening to the Inside Carolina Podcast with Buck Sanders, Jason Staples, and myself, Tommy Ashley. And let's talk about quarterback, Buck. You had a column uh, discussing it yesterday, I believe, or or Monday. Matt Brown's put Sam Howell as the blue team quarterback. So we'll say the quote-unquote starter for now. Um, I also said that can change. But your thoughts – on that decision, I will say this. I am not surprised at all that that's how it shook out. And I don't see how it will change before the South Carolina game, but that's debatable. Uh, but your thoughts overall on how Matt Brown's handled this quarterback situation? Well, I, I think he would have much preferred to been in a situation where there was clear separation between the competitors for the quarterback position. And one of the things that if you followed his remarks, when he named Sam Howell, the guy who's going to get the most reps for the blue team, which in my opinion says starter. I mean, I don't know how else to, to uh, qualify that. He would have probably loved to have had more separation, but when he made the decision, he talked about leadership. We need more leadership on the offense. Quarterback's typically the guy who is the leader of the offense. Can't really develop as a leader if he's splitting time with three different guys. And so he's going to get the lion's share of the snaps with the blue team. 
Cade's um, arm has been a little sore. Jace Reuter had a hamstring issue. So Sam has stayed healthier throughout fall camp. But the one thing he never said is I'm giving him more snaps with the blue team because he's clearly separated himself as the guy. Uh, He he never said that, and I don't think that's the case. Um, I was there last night. Jason was there last night. Uh, Maybe there might be a little something to the uh, Cade Fording having a uh, sore arm. But Jace Reuter, he he didn't look like he had any issues running the ball at all, and that was uh, the hitching the get-along, uh, so to speak, with not him not being the guy. Is that, well, you know, he pulled a hamstring, so he wasn't able to run the ball as well. I think Mac is in a strange and odd place because he sees what everybody else sees, which is, all three of these guys are pretty good and I've got to put one of them behind center. There's only one guy that can play and I've got to get somebody prepared to play South Carolina. And I'm not going to be able to do that if I'm splitting times with the quarterbacks, you know, three different guys getting all the same number of snaps for the first team. That's no run way to run a railroad. If you're getting ready to play a football game, you you've got to have a guy, who gets the majority of the reps, gets some familiarity, all the things that go into what makes an offense work is a communication from the quarterback, people knowing what to expect from him, and all those myriad factors that require one guy, for the most part, to get the line share of snaps with the, with the first team. Now, it may wind up that Sam Howell starts the South Carolina game, sets uh, Charlotte on fire, and you know goes on to you know hold that position down all year long, and m- maybe he will. But I-, I don't know that we've heard the last of uh, about quarterback play this year. Uh, I-, I don't expect. There to be a situation where Sam Howell goes in, plays every game. Maybe they put one or one guy in here or there uh, when they've got a big lead, and then that's just the way it goes. Uh, there, uh, there's going to be some ups and downs. Uh, there's going to be some consternation at points. Are we playing the right guy? Should we give this other guy a chance? So I, I think there's a lot more drama to be seen uh, from the UNC quarterback position than we bargained for and probably much more than what Mike Brown wants to see. Jason, when I was listening to Coach Brown talk about um, the decision-making and, and talking about the quarterbacks, my overarching thing uh, that I, I thought about is I hearken back to, I believe it was Butch Davis, several years back, um, basically talk about his defensive lineman and he and he basically said I, I like so and so because they're available they were available and he mentioned Cade's issues he mentioned Jace's issues but he never um, 
never said certain things, but like Buck said, how had never been hurt and how had been available. And it's interesting. Everybody, it's a true freshman being named, you know, to the, to the ones, I guess. I see where Auburn just announced that Bo Nix would be their starting quarterback this season. They, uh, Nix, of course, is a true freshman down there. But a, are Patrick you surprised? Son. Is it really? Yeah, that makes yeah, sense. It's, yeah. It's Patrick Nix's son. And, and a, are you surprised? B, um, do you think it's the right decision? And then C. Does it have a lot to do with, like Buck said, you got to get one guy to be the guy going into the season, and you can't do that uh, a third, a third, a third on the reps all through camp. So, first of all, I agree with everything Buck said. Uh, I, I think he he hit the hit the hammer on the head in terms of you you have to start narrowing reps down as you prepare. You have to figure out you know how that's going to work, and this does go back to that old coaches saying that you know availability is the most important ability uh and he's been the the healthiest of the three so that makes that decision easier from the coach's perspective i also i i imagine that the fact that you're starting a a charlotte kid in a in a in an opener uh, in charlotte for uh for the the opening to the mac era uh, as as a freshman that 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 probably doesn't hurt things in terms of appearance and, and all of that. And, uh, and the other thing is that generally speaking, the old coaches uh, rule book on this is that if you have two players, one is older and one is younger and there's no real separation between them. Well, who do you play? You play the younger guy because the younger guy has more room for improvement, presumably than the older guy who's not, a whole lot better or there's no real separation between the younger guy and the older guy. Uh, and, you know, he's had more chance to, to get that separation. So those are, those are, I think the, the pro- most probable motivations for making or reasonings b- behind making that decision as to whether it's the right decision or not. I don't think anybody outside the, the football program itself can really assess that at this point because so much goes into the into who's the quarterback in terms of leadership and who the team wants to follow in terms of respect in terms of all sorts of things that we just don't have access to see and and so all I can say is based on what we have seen there's not a whole lot of separation between the three uh, I don't think, I, I, again, I think Buck is right where this is not a situation where Howell has gone out and won the job and he's beaten the other two out. I'll also be surprised if Howell's the only quarterback we see against South Carolina. I, I think that, I think we will see uh, multiple quarterbacks, not just in that game, but in other games over the course of the season. Now, exactly who those guys are going to be when that happens, whether that's actually planned into the game plan and and all of that, I don't know, but I'll be surprised based on what we saw. If Howell goes start to finish and and is the only guy to take a snap in, in, in Charlotte and is, you know, I'd, I'd be shocked if he's the only quarterback to take first team reps over the course of the season. Uh, and, and, and so I think they, uh, they they what they made is they made a carefully reasoned and uh dif- a decision that's difficult to argue with and and i think overall this is it if i were in that in, in their shoes i probably would have made the same decision that they made based on what i've seen 
and and based on all of those factors that you're thinking through as a coach. But I still also would want to make sure that the other two knew that, listen, you guys are not far from the field and, you know, don't wander off now. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're going to, we're going to need you and, and, and you're going to play, uh, you know, as long as you, as long as you earn those reps and get, get healthy again, you're going to, you're going to get your chance to, to show us some stuff that you can do as well. Cause none of the quarterbacks are at the point where you're going, okay, this guy's, you know, our Trevor Lawrence, none of them are there. Each of them has some, areas where they they have some growth remaining and 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 so that's that's where it's going to take some time to to let that sort out and and camp was just not enough for that good take i agree i think it's going to be a, a maybe at least a half a year thing before it's totally ironed out it'll be interesting to see how howell comes out against south carolina if he in fact starts against south carolina a pretty pretty pressured situation there in Charlotte in a game that uh, South Carolina certainly will want to take it to him. We'll see how it goes. Let, let, before I take a break, Buck, I'm going to come to you. Let's talk about other skill positions just in general. Um, pick me out a couple guys you saw at the open practice that you think are going to be difference makers. We've talked about Javante Williams a lot on this podcast already. Um, I kind of like Michael Carter. I think he could be a guy a player, as Mac Brown would say. Um, tell me some at the receiver position. I keep reading about these drops, these drops, these drops. That's a little concerning um, from the receiver position, but Carolina certainly has some talent all over the field at those two positions. I talked about it in my column yesterday, but, uh, you know, I think they've got a, a guy that's kind of flying under the radar a bit, with the media at least, and that's Antoine Green. Uh, he made a really spectacular catch last last night against uh, Trees Renee, I think. Maybe Jason, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was Renee. And he tipped the ball to himself and caught it. Uh, Renee had him covered. Renee was in good, great position. Um, and it was like a 50-yard pass from Hal. And... Green just made a terrific play on the ball. There, there are some guys out there. Now, there have been some drops. Um, I don't think I saw quite as many last night as I've had seen. But there's also been some pretty spectacular catches, too. So, we'll see how that plays out. And the other thing is receivers. And, and Jason may shoot me down when I say this, but Every quarterback has variances in how he throws the ball. The velocity throws it out, his accuracy, his timing, all those things come into play. And the more the receivers are able, like the first team receivers are able to work with Sam Howe, probably will. there's an opportunity to see those drops go down even further. I think Daz Newsom is going to have a great year, and everybody expects that. So that's not uh, – I'm not saying anything groundbreaking there. But Antoine Green is one of those guys I would look to, and I'm not going to be surprised if somebody like Coffee Brown doesn't break out as well, even though he's a true freshman. So we'll, we'll see. But um, And Javante Williams, you already spoke to him. Michael Carter, he's really, really healthy right now. 
And and so I expect him to kind of get out of the box quick this year. But those are the guys that kind of jump out to me offensively on the skill side. Yeah, the fact that Green's on the field after that uh, ankle against, I guess, Syracuse it was. I, I'm still on the DL thinking about seeing that injury. But, Jason, your, your take on those two positions, um, who's maybe somebody we're not really talking about? Uh, you know, like I said, Javante, we're going to talk about him a ton all year. Uh, Daz Newsome, probably the same. But name me a couple maybe that folks just aren't thinking about when they look at Carolina's skill positions. Well, I, I think Buck took the first one that I would have uh, uh, put out there, and that's uh, that's that's Antoine Green. I think he has a chance to be uh, a really good player in the system that they're that they're running, and you put him opposite. Diami, and now you've got to honor those outside receivers and their length and their ability to go vertical. So, so that's a big deal. Uh, giving stability with with some young guys, and again, giving yourself the opportunity to. You think about the youth on the off on the offensive line; those guys are talented, but they're freshmen and sophomores. And as I said, give them a year or so, and look out. And then you've got sophomore and freshman redshirt freshman wide receiver and a and a, a series of freshman quarterbacks and you start thinking you know <laughs> they can coach this offense to be awfully good in 2020 improving through 2019 and and all of a sudden you got you got yourself a real uh weapon weapon a fully weaponized and operational offense uh going into next year uh and again, I think Newsom is in line for a really big year. I think Corey Bell really gives him another nice piece on the inside that that he's going to get some reps and 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 be a nice player in there for them. Uh, so, and and I think he'll, if anything, he'll be he'll probably be the surprise for the casual fan to see how much he's able to do from the slot uh, in 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 this offense. So. Other than that, I mean, I, I think those the receivers are are a known entity, and you don't worry too much about drops from from the group. I mean, I know Newsom had some bad ones last year, but again, you you're gonna get some drops in college football. It's not always easy to catch the football, and when you're in a new offense, especially that that happens where you're still processing through steps and you're thinking a little bit, and your concentration is not as much on the football, and that's true for younger younger players as well when you're a freshman or sophomore and you you haven't done this for you know 10,000 20,000 reps through this same thing over and over again to where you're doing it in your sleep and now you're just looking for the variation and where the football is going to be located well when you can't put 100% of your attention there then sometimes you're going to have that drop and that's really i think what it's what it's about more than anything else is that you're you're just going to get some of those lapses. Some of it is just part of newness and guys adjusting to the college game. It's not like you know, oh, they they have to adjust to college quarterbacks' velocity or something like. No, it's not 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 really an issue. But you do have to get used to where guys are going to locate the ball, where where the ball is going to come from in this in this system, where the space is going to be, and and all of these things play come into play. And I think over time, you'll see all of these guys drop the ball less the longer they're in the offense. It's just, it's the nature of, of, of the beast. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not an easy thing. You hear about people talking about hitting a 90 mile an hour fastball. That's hard. It's also really hard to catch a football at the college level when somebody's, you know, clawing at you and, and doing all the stuff that you're getting 
uh, from defensive backs as well. That's one of the harder things to do uh, as an athlete. It's it's really an underrated uh, skill in terms of how difficult it is. We'll take a short break, come back. We're going to open it up to the other side of the ball. Jason Staples, Buck Sanders with me, Tommy Ashley, the Inside Carolina Podcast. We'll be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We're back with the IC Podcast, sponsored by JohnnyTShirt.com. Tommy Ashley. Don't forget, later in the podcast, we'll talk about how you could uh, get some important uh, things you may need if you're planning on going to Charlotte to see the Tar Heels versus South Carolina. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Jason, let me stick with you. Defense, um, and I'll just switch up the order a little bit. Defense, um, it's going to rely on people staying healthy. We've talked about offensive line staying healthy. I think the defense can surprise some people, but like Coach Brown said, like everybody said, health is going to be the number one thing, especially on the front for North Carolina. Yeah, you've got a few years of uh, roster mismanagement in terms of personnel there that they're having to work through, and they know that. Uh, there's just not enough bot, and there's not enough, especially big bodies on the roster. I mean, you look at in this defense, ideally, you'd like a guy like Fox to be one of those outside backers, but they just don't have another guy that can, that can fit that defensive end position and be as good a player as he is. So you, you got to put him there. And then that makes you weaker at the backer position and and also makes you a little bit weaker at the defensive end position than you would ideally be if you'd recruited that position a little better. So, you know, that's just one example. But, uh, you know, ultimately, as long as Strobridge and Crawford and Fox are able to stay healthy, they, they can be pretty good. They're, they're going to be, they're going to be a formidable, uh, defense because I, I like the back end. I think the back end with what they did with moving Morris into corner uh, with how they're using some of the, the athletes in terms of uh, some of the hybrid positions with Dom Ross and some of these guys, I, I think they've got a chance to be uh, to be pretty good on the back end. It's just a matter of, are they going to be able to stay healthy with the big bodies up front healthy enough to to do what they need to do. And that's the, that's the big, the big ask. And, you know, I think they're, they're I will say they, they should be really encouraged by what they're, what they're going to be able to get from the Juco transfer of uh, a the, uh, the, 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 uh, the defensive tackle. I think they're going to get more out of him than, than maybe they were, they were expecting. Uh, and that helps. They'll be able to eat some, some, some reps there, but 
that's the big issue is they're going to need to be able to stop the run with those those guys asking him to two gap and that takes a lot of physicality and and they're going to play a lot of plays with the offense playing high tempo so just finding a way to stay healthy especially staying healthy through that first part of the season where they're going to be going through some wars against some really good teams staying healthy there is really everything for this defense and and i think again their starters pretty good you know they're 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 okay it's just are they going to be able to get what they need when when those guys are obviously going to need some breaks given how many how many reps they're going to see Buck, listening to Bateman talk, uh, I believe it was late last week maybe that um, he was available to the media. I mean, the guy is just brilliant at what he does. But, you know, aside from the health issue, which well, everybody will agree, that's that's number one. Um, your thoughts on this Carolina defense, I mean, they have been savaged for years, and rightfully so. Um now, could they could they be a strength even as early as this year if they stay healthy? Um, could that happen, do you think? They, they can certainly be more of a strength than they have been recently. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. So, uh, <laughs> let, let, let's get that out of the way. Um, and, and honestly, I think the – advantages that Bateman brings as a defensive coordinator are going to play dividends and they're going to pay dividends this year. Fingers crossed. Everybody stays healthy because he's a really innovative guy and he's going to do things. We've heard Longo talk about this all spring and all fall and, and the offensive players talk about this. Uh, Charlie Heck uh, uses these almost exact words that, Whatever it is you think you're going to get from Bateman, that's not what you're going to get. If you think this this particular blocking scheme is going to work against this particular front that Bateman throws out there, think again because it's going to change on you and you've got to be really, really smart and really, really good as an offensive line to keep up with the changes that Bateman is going to throw at you. So there's going to be an opportunity, I think, for UNC guys on the defense to get indoctrinated into Bateman's ways this year. That They're going to have some successes. There's going to be some spectacular defensive plays. You're going to be asking yourself, how did he do that? Like watching some magician on TV. How did he do that trick? And – that's going to happen, but there's also going to be probably times when some team with a really, really good offensive line and a really, really good run game is going <coughs> to Clemson. dash. Carolina. Clemson. <laughs> Clemson. Yeah. Gash. Gash, North Carolina. Uh, running the ball. And, and you know, maybe throwing the ball as well. Uh, but – because they obviously got the players to do that. Uh, but a, as a unit, I think what you want to see is, is you want enough of that magician's, you know, sleight of hand that Bateman is, is more or less famous for um, 
you want to see enough of that to to give you the kind of encouragement that yeah we can we can turn this thing around we can turn it around and and at times in certain games I do think there are going to be games where the defense saves offense bacon uh, and we'll see but it's going to be fascinating I can't wait to watch it, it, it the things that Bateman does uh, is unlike anything we've ever seen at UNC. It was sort of like Larry Fedora's offense. When Larry Fedora got to UNC, UNC fans had never seen anything even close to what uh, Fedora put on the field. And it was really pretty darn successful for a lot of years until um, – Somehow or another, the quarter ball, quarterback ball got dropped. Uh, but that's what I'd like to see from the defense, uh, enough to let me know that, yeah, uh, th- this is going to kind of work out for North Carolina. And it, it may not be uh, it's eight wins this year. Hopefully it'll be six. They get to a bowl, lay a good foundation. And the guys that he's teaching this year that are going to be back next year, those guys can help teach next year's players uh, ha- how to get this done. Right now, he's teaching them all. Um, but next year, some of those guys can uh, help their uh, counterparts out in, in terms of understanding what, what he's driving at. Great point there. Each one, teach one. Uh, next year, that begins. But, Jason, here here's what I envision. And – I'm not going to harken back to my Wake Forest comment years ago, especially since Carolina plays them again this year with Campanero. When I told Buck there's no way one guy can beat North Carolina, uh, but how is Carolina going to deal with the issues they have at linebacker? How can – and you broke down all these tapes over the course of the summer, um, but with Carolina's personnel as we know it right now, how, how can Carolina deal with the um, – I don't want to say the struggles or lack of talent because I'm not sure those are accurate. No, those, are, those are pretty accurate. At linebacker. So how does Bateman deal with that? Because we've seen for a long, long time that linebacker could be fast. Cole Holcomb pretty fast. They get torched on the drags across the middle and things like that. The team seems to always run against North Carolina. Well, some of that is when, when you're running a lot of the odd front stuff that, that he's going to run where – you're doing uh, basically three down linemen and then the the hybrids that he's putting on the field. You can take some of that, some of those little drags and some of the intermediate stuff. You actually, because you're two gapping more with, let's say you've, you've got one guy two gapping up front. That means you've got one fewer player that you have to commit to the run in terms of run fits. Now that guy had better be able to control both of those gaps but that basically allows you to take one guy away from the front and add that player to the secondary in terms of how you're coordinating your defense. So that allows a little bit more flexibility to, to, to do a little bit better on some of those little shallows and the drags and things that you're talking about. Uh, And, and that's one way that they'll, that they'll try to do that is, is, by doing some two gapping by saying, you know what, we think Aaron Crawford and Jason Strobridge can take away say two and a half gaps between the between the two of them uh or, or i'm sorry uh, three and a half gaps between the two of them uh play in play out now we don't have to worry as much about 
putting that guy in a bind and on some of the RPO stuff where, you know, quarterback may hand it or more or may put it uh, in the intermediate zone, that sort of thing. You're, you're able to, to keep that guy back. So that's one way is just by scheme and also by making it unpredictable on who's going to two gap and who's going to be responsible for what gaps and all that. By doing that, you, you reduce the ability of the offense to dictate, we're going to take advantage of this guy being in a bind. He's got this run responsibility. We're going to make him see that, and then we're going to throw it behind him. Or, or we're going to match up this guy in man-to-man, and we think we can run away. There's all, there, all sorts of different things you can do as an offense. If you're not sure what they're doing, sometimes that gets a lot harder. So first of all, that's how he's going to try to do it. Beyond that, I mean, they're going to base in, in nickel – uh, you know, Wolfolk is going to be out there in, in in kind of a hybrid role. They're going to have uh, they're going to have Dom Ross, who I think actually fits better in Bateman's system than anything he's done at Carolina so so far, as that really rangy, athletic kind of hybrid again that that you can use as a as a solid pass coverage guy. But you can also bring off the edge or bring up, bring in, in a gap in pass coverage, and, and he can be an athlete for that. So what you're trying to do is you try to find athletes that can manage what they need to in, in space. Uh, and I think they've got four or five of those guys. Again, the problem is more depth than anything else. Uh, but they're really only going to put two true linebackers in linebacker responsibility. Those two inside backers are going to be the guys, and then. One of the outside backers is more of a hybrid defensive end. Uh, you know, that's Collins or Cater. Uh, you know, Cater was the main guy uh, running with the ones uh, that we saw. But, uh, but you know, that uh, that's the sort of thing that that I think they'll be able they'll they'll be able to mitigate a little bit. But I do think that that's going to be that's going to be a problem at different points over the course of the year. I mean, when you look at it, they're not super strong when it comes to say those inside backer positions. And, uh, and, you know, you'd like to have another, you'd love to have Tom, uh, Tom and Fox be the, be one of the outside backers instead of being, being a defensive end. So that's going to be where they're going to have some issues. And there's going to be like Buck said, there's going to be some, a couple times where it's going to be frustrating because they're going to have trouble stopping the run. But what was encouraging to me watching the scrimmage was uh, or the scrimmage portion and, and the seven on seven portion is I think the secondary, especially with how they're deploying the hybrids, uh, that back seven is going to be better than it has been at keeping teams from taking those gash plays and taking it to the house. So you may see some frustrating 15, 20 yard gains that you know teams are going to be able to advance the ball the better teams are going to be able to 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 pound them a little bit up front but i don't think there's going to be a whole lot of just run and hide big plays given up by what bateman's doing uh you're going to see it a little bit by scheme cuz he'll take some chances but they've done a pretty good job of of finding guys in the back seven who are going to be reliable and they're going to be able to to at least play over the top a little bit and take away some of that stuff. So it's, it's kind of trying to have your cake with the pressure without having to eat it as well, you know, uh, or with, while eating it as well, that is. Uh, and then, you know, keeping a, a couple guys over the top. So, you know, Clemson's the one team with, with ETN and some of those guys, they get 
into the open field and it doesn't really matter how good your your secondary is but i think by and large they'll they're going to be better covering the past than i thought they would be uh coming into the season which will help a little bit in terms of being able to commit to to pressure and, and stopping the run i just again i think they're going to have some problems there at different points that that you know it's just a personnel matter all right, Buck, give me a couple guys, couple three guys maybe you think might break out that people are not expecting. We've talked about um, guys like Miles Dorn, Aaron Crawford up front, Strobridge up front. Um, but like Jason said, you got depth issues. You got some talent, four, five, six guys that are good enough. Give me some of those guys that maybe we don't necessarily think they'll contribute or or not expected to really contribute that you think might break out? Cause I think there could be a few of those and there may be some very young guys. Well, I think that's right, Tommy. And I, some of the guys that I would kind of keep an eye on is uh, a guy like Chris Collins. Uh, I think he's got almost prototypical in Bateman's defense, the, the, the kind of size and athleticism that Bateman would want from uh, an outside linebacker in his defense. Uh, he's one of the guys, although, you know, I like Alan Cater a lot. Uh, he, Alan Cater's really put a lot, t- tremendous amount of work into this season. But, uh, you know, he's not going to be able to play the entire game. So I expect to see a good bit of Chris Collins, and I think we'll see some good things from him. Uh, Lacine Ture has made some plays in, in practice just based on what other people have said. I think he made one last night, um, that we were watching. He might be a guy to keep an eye on. There are some other guys that you, you may not be looking for to really step up and, and, uh, be a presence. But there's a couple of guys that I'm sure they hope will do that, and that's Zach Gill and Jaheel Taylor because they're going to be looking to those guys and uh, Tamari Fox, perhaps, to you know spell Crawford, Fox, and um, Strobridge and, and get them off the field for a series or two just so that you know, maybe they can last the entire season. Um, when the season gets long and, you know, you in that eighth, ninth game, all those reps you've taken and, uh, prior to that point, and, and maybe you've gotten by with it. Okay. Then it really begins to be an issue. So, um, uh, they, they need some guys to step up. I hope that's, that's what we'll see. Um, but, uh, just in terms of, and we, we could talk about Dom Ross all day. Greg Barnes has a great article up about him. He he's not he's a guy that it, people know his name. They understand he's a starting linebacker. Blah blah blah. But he could really go from being just a guy, uh, as coaches say, to being a dude in this offense. Um, and he could take a real. Um, quantum leap forward in terms of his ability to be productive in in this defense in particular because he's a tremendous pass rusher he's six four and about 230 now um in certain 
ways and there's certain uh, opportunities that Bateman will give him. He could be a force in terms of uh, rushing the passer. So we'll have to see how it plays out. But off the top of my head, Tommy, those are the guys I would have in mind. Jason, I think Dom Ross may have a big year, but I still think um, there could be maybe some even freshmen, true freshmen perhaps, at linebacker that, that step up. Your thoughts there, your thoughts on all across you know, the three levels of the defense. Give me a guy or two or three that's going to make noise has to, and really needs or has to make noise for Carolina to be successful. Um, on the defensive side, uh, one, one guy that if we're, we're talking about a guy that's kind of unexpected in all this, uh, that nobody's talking about that, that could be pretty significant there. I'll, I'll toss out DJ Ford, uh, as, as a guy that in this, in this system could be a pretty interesting, interesting breakout candidate in terms of being able to provide some stuff in that, in that sort of hybrid role on the inside. Um, Let's see. Uh, on the on the the front level, I think uh, the JUCO transfer, whose name is uh, is is escaping me at the moment, uh, he's up to uh, to about to almost three hundred pounds. Bohasic, uh, yeah, Bohasic. He he's up to almost three hundred pounds, and I think again in in Bateman's system, just having a guy who can who can come in and eat some snaps especially on rundowns and, and take up some of the uh, of those run fit responsibilities, especially as a, as a two gapping guy that, you know, just, just tell him to take up these two gaps for a while, you know, for two or three plays at a time. I think he's a guy that, that they that they're going to need to be able to depend on to do that, to help keep the other guys fresh. Um, and then beyond that, I, you know, I think, the the primary guys in the secondary are gonna be the older guys. I mean, Storm Duck's gonna get some time, but uh, but I think the the older guys, from what I saw, are gonna be the primary guys there. Uh, offensively, I think you're gonna see uh, uh, Coffrey Brown is a guy that I would uh, I would I would highlight as a as a chance as a guy with a chance to uh, as a young guy with a chance to really make, make some noise this year. I think Buck, you mentioned him earlier in the, in the, in the uh, podcast as well. And uh, you know, he had a, he had a really nice uh, one hander down the sideline on a, on a similar type concept to what Antoine uh, Green had, had caught uh, over Renee on the other a little bit later, uh, you know, Coffrey did the same thing, but one handed it and stayed in bounds and, you know, really displayed some speed and athleticism there. Uh, that again, in this system, you're going to need to run six, seven, eight wide receivers out there uh, to really be successful. And and so a, a young guy like that's going to get the chance to to play some. And I already mentioned Corey Bell as a guy that I think is going to be more important than than you might expect from say a backup slot receiver. So uh, so yeah, I think I think th- there's there's several guys that I think have a chance to be to have not quite necess- not necessarily breakout years but but quality years that people aren't necessarily looking for coming into the season. Great stuff. I, I mean it's fascinating to listen to you guys talk. I'm sure our listeners certainly enjoy the time that y'all put into covering this stuff and talking with me, Buck. It's always fun, Jason, you know, it's always fun. We got our IC prediction show. We're going to record that Thursday evening. I know Buck can join. Jason, I hope if you can join uh, we'll Tommy, break it up. Tommy, 
We got a contest, buddy. I'm not finished yet. Uh, okay. All right. I'm teasing that all the way to the end. Oh, my goodness. You just ride the pony. I'm, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking like, come on, man. Yeah. but So I got to tease upcoming shows. But anyway, uh, as folks know, we've always been really bad at these podcast predictions. Um, so I hope we get a little better, but we'll break it up a little different and make it a little easier for everybody. But as Buck said, we do have a contest to talk about. Our listeners, if you remember last year, Buck Sanders and Inside Carolina um, provided two tickets. I think it was two tickets all year, Buck, that folks got a chance to come sit with us at Keenan Stadium. Um, I'm yep. sure it was the highlight of everybody's life to sit with It was Bucks. more entertaining than some of the games, I'm sure. Yeah, really. <laughs> if, if sitting with us is the most entertaining thing this season, it has gone terribly wrong. Uh, but for the South Carolina game in Charlotte, this is a big deal now. Buck is offering not only two tickets to see South Carolina and North Carolina, he is offering four tickets, two of which are club level, two of which are with the common man, like me, maybe. I'm not sure where they are, but if it's with us, it'll be entertaining as always. Um, but all you have to do is you got to enter. You got to go on the either message board and enter through the message board thread about the uh, contest. But the question is, first year – that Carolina and South Carolina played. What was that first year? I can say that I was not alive. I'm pretty sure Buck wasn't either. And I'll go ahead and give you the answer if you stay with us this long. It is 1903. So go on the Tar Pit Premium or the Tar Pit Regular Message Board. Enter the code 1903 for your chance to win those two tickets in the club level for Carolina and South Carolina and two tickets in the uh, – I'm not sure where they are, lower level, upper level, not club level, but two more tickets inside Bank of America Stadium. You have this podcast and tomorrow's podcast, an opportunity to win those tickets. See, Buck, I told you I'd get to the contest. I I just want to be clear that there's going to be two winners. Yes, two winners. One person is not going to win all four tickets. (laughs) Uh, One person is going to win two club entry uh, level tickets. And one person is going to win two regular tickets. So there are going to be two winners from this contest. I just wanted to clear that up. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Two tickets, two separate winners, club level, and otherwise. Enter the code 1903 on those uh, message boards to, for your chance to win those. We'll get those tickets mailed to you and get you taken care of. But get it done. Enter now. But. Jason, it's always fun. Hope to talk you talk to each of you again later in the week. Uh, but I think we have, as Buck will say, picked all the meat off of this bone for now. We will uh, we will talk again soon, guys. Thanks for your your time and patience with me, Buck. All right, thanks, Tommy. Enjoyed it, Jason. Enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.